Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today on the program, we dig deep into the radio vault to answer a question many people have at Easter time. And James Collins and David Bay will have a moment of prophecy. We have so many new resources, conferences, and opportunities to share the good news. Make sure you're not missing out on any of the exciting details. Get our monthly ministry updates and our e-newsletters. That way you'll know everything that's happening at Watchmen on the Wall. Join the team today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can sign up online, swrc.com. Individuals and families standing with us in prayer and financial support is how we're able to be here each day proclaiming for the past 89 years that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. If you're new to the ministry or if you've never partnered with us, would you please take a stand today with your recurring monthly or one-time gift? Call 1-800-652-1144 and show your support for the truth that is proclaimed on the radio, at conferences, and in books and DVDs. 1-800-652-1144. All gifts given are income tax deductible and greatly appreciated. 1-800-652-1144 or online, swrc.com. Thank you. Was Christ crucified on Good Friday? A question that receives increased attention around the Easter season. Former host Noah Hutchings answered this question many years ago on this program. Thanks to the archives in our radio vault, we have access to that program and Noah's answer to the question. So let's listen in as Noah Hutchings and Jerry Giltner answer the question, Was Christ crucified on Good Friday? Most people believe that Jesus was crucified on Friday. Is it possible to fulfill the scriptural account in a Friday to Sunday scenario? Well, we certainly agree that the vast majority of Christendom Christians believe that Jesus was crucified on Friday and that his body laid in the tomb only 24 to 26 hours just from the closing hours of Friday, which would have been just before 6 o'clock, all day Saturday and early Sunday or the first day of the week, according to Jewish time, would have been a little after 6 o'clock on Saturday. But that was only one day and one night and uh, maybe an hour or so extra. But they count that as being three days because... It's only a part of two days and one whole day, but they still count it three days because we read that it was the day before the Sabbath. So most theologians, pastors, or Christians say, well, it was before the Sabbath. Therefore, it has to be on Friday. But we have a problem there because Jews had to lay in the tomb three full days in order to be officially dead. Now, when Jesus was informed that Lazarus was sick unto death, he delayed his going to Bethany until after Lazarus had been in the tomb three full days, or 72 hours and part of the fourth day. 
We know that from John chapter 11, verse 17. And Martha protested. It was much too late to help her brother. She was disappointed because Jesus hadn't come earlier because the Lazarus' body was already older, was coming out of the tomb. He was already decaying. As I mentioned, it was an accepted Jewish tradition or law that a person could not be legally declared dead until three days had passed because during those days they didn't have coroners to go out and judge or doctors to go out and judge whether a person was dead or not because sometimes they'd be in a coma and lay there and they'd come too. So they had to be dead, thought to be dead, three days before they could be declared dead. Jesus proved to the Jews that he could indeed raise a person that had been legally declared dead. And I think it would be kind of strange if he didn't follow that example when he himself died or was crucified, that if he did not lay in the tomb for a full 72 hours. Now, we read from A Scientific Approach to Biblical Mysteries by Robert Fade, page 70. It was the Jewish belief at that time that when a person died, his spirit remained within his body for three days. Jesus had to be in the tomb for three days, not only to fulfill his own prophecy concerning himself, but to keep Jews from claiming that he had not really been dead. So Jesus had to lay in the tomb 72 full hours or three full Days. Now, the chief priests and the Pharisees understood that Jesus meant he would be in the tomb for three full days or 72 hours, or their conversation with Pilate in Matthew chapter 27, verses 62 through 66, it wouldn't make any sense. It seems conclusive to me that Jesus Christ was crucified on Wednesday, Nisan the 14th, his body placed in the tomb just before the 12th Hebrew hour, or 6 p.m., and he arose from the grave just after the 12th hour on Sunday, or the first Hebrew hour on Sunday, the first day of the week. The Lord's Passover was foretold to be Nisan the 14th from sunset on Tuesday to sunset on Wednesday, according to our calendar. And the sheaf of first fruits, according to Leviticus chapter 23, verses 10 and 11, was to be weighed before the Lord on the day after the regular Sabbath following Passover. And Jesus Christ did indeed rise from the grave on the first day of the week, according to the prophetic type, waving the first fruits, of the harvest, and he was indeed the first fruits of the resurrection. But that was following, of course, the regular Saturday Sabbath, Matthew 24, 1 through 8. Now, while we believe it is important that Jesus' body did lie in the grave three days and three nights, though, of course, we know that it is infinitely more important to believe that he did die for our sins and that he arose for our justification. Because unless the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus occurred as scriptures declare, then we, of course, of all men, most miserable. 
But we also think the clear teaching of Scripture is that Jesus was crucified on Wednesday and that he arose on the first few minutes of the first day of the week. Jesus himself said, For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. That's from Matthew 12:40. Now, when he says three days and three nights, is he talking about three 24-hour days? He is talking about three 24-hour days. And in Scripture, it's plain from Esther and other books in the Bible that one day, one full day means 24 hours, two days means 48 hours, three days means 72 hours. So we can't get around the truth that Jesus was in the grave 72 hours, three full days. Now, to begin with, let's go back and trace what happened. At 6 p.m. on Nisan the 14th, and that was the day of preparation. That was the day the lambs was to be prepared for Passover. This was a Tuesday, which would have been nice on the 14th. At 6 p.m., Jesus observed the Passover in the upper room with his apostles. No lamb, because Jesus himself was to be the lamb. They didn't observe the Passover with the lamb because Jesus was the lamb. At 9 p.m., that would have been the second watch, Jesus was arrested and taken to the house of Caiaphas to be judged. At 12 midnight, the third watch, Jesus was judged and found guilty of blasphemy by the Sanhedrin. And at 6 a.m., or about daybreak, that was the first hour, Jesus was taken to Pilate at Antony's Tower to be judged and sentenced. At 9 a.m., the third hour, Jesus was nailed to the cross. At 12 noon, darkness was over the face of the earth until the ninth hour for three hours. And at 3 p.m., the ninth hour, Jesus died and gave up the ghost. On Nisan the 15th, that was Israel's Passover day, the first day of unleavened bread, that was a high Sabbath. We read that in the book of John. There was not just Saturday Sabbath. There were other Sabbaths. A Sabbath was day in which the Jews were commanded to rest and keep holy. And they were not to work. And that was the first day of unleavened bread was one of those high Sabbaths. So when Jesus died on the cross, of course, they had to take him down, and his body had to be entombed before 6 p.m., before the high Sabbath, or the first day of unleavened bread, began. And that's where we get confused, because he was crucified the day before a Sabbath, but it was not the regular Saturday Sabbath. It was a high Sabbath, which would have been on Wednesday. His body would have laid in the tomb all day Thursday all day Friday, all day Saturday, and he would have raised from the dead shortly after the first day of the week began at about 6 o'clock in the afternoon. But he would have laid in the tomb 72 hours, full three days, to fulfill Jewish requirement to be declared legally dead. 
And if he had not been declared legally dead, then all his enemies, the Jews, would have pointed that out. They would have accused him of just being in a coma or something rather than being legally dead. But because he was in the tomb a full 72 hours, they could not bring that charge against him. You know, Brother Hutchings, you mentioned a little bit earlier in the Scripture where the government people knew that. Let me just read that passage of Scripture because I think it's so interesting. This is Matthew 27, verse 62 and following. Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation the chief priest and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that the deceiver, speaking of Jesus, said while he was yet alive, After three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, Ye have a watch. Go your way, make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. So they understood that Jesus would need to be dead for three days. Sure, unless Jesus was in the grave full three days and three nights or full 72 hours, then their conversation with Pilate would have made no sense at all. They wouldn't have had to set a watch. All they had to do would be waiting until that afternoon. So it wouldn't make any sense. So we know from their conversation also that Jesus would have been in the grave three days and three nights, and he could not have been crucified on a Friday. He was crucified on a Wednesday. We observe Good Friday Of course, that's from a German word, Gottfriede. We're observing the wrong day, really, if that makes any difference. Of course, the important thing, as I mentioned, is that Jesus died for our sins and that he rose again for our justification, is seated at the right hand of God interceding for us, and that he is coming again so that where he is, there we might be also. The second half of your title to that prophetic observer that you wrote back in 1995 is, does it make any difference? And I guess what you're saying is really the main thing is is that he did rise from the dead. That is right, and I guess it makes no difference what day they think Jesus was crucified on or how many days he lay in the tomb as far as our faith in him is concerned. But to Israel, it made a difference. Mm -hmm. It made a difference to the Jews. Right. That is one thing they cannot deny, that Jesus did indeed lay in the tomb three days and three nights, according to Jewish tradition and Jewish law. In the original, of course, we trace Jesus' activities the full seven days before the Passover, right up until the time he was crucified what he did every day, and how his activities every day fulfilled Old Testament prophecy, proving that he was indeed the Messiah, even uh, to the time foretold in Daniel 9, that at the end of the 69th prophetic week, that the Messiah would be cut off. And we come now exactly to the 69th prophetic week, are 483 years after the king of Persia, 
signed a decree to rebuild Jerusalem, which we believe was issued in 455 B.C., the exact time of year that Jesus was crucified. So everything is complete according to prophecy, and thereby we know that he is the Messiah and our Savior who died for our sins. Get your own copy of this complete legacy program on CD and the Prophetic Observer article by Noah Hutchings answering the question, Was Christ Crucified on Good Friday? when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's both the program and the Prophetic Observer article by Noah Hutchings. Simply call 1-800-652-1144. Make sure you mark your calendar for our next in-person conference We have upcoming conferences scheduled in Wichita, Kansas, Anchorage, Alaska, and Columbus, Ohio. Next Friday and Saturday, April 22nd and 23rd, we'll be in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And you're invited to join a wonderful lineup of speakers, including Jeff Kinley, Michael Hoggard, Kamal Saleem, Larry Spargimino, James Collins, Micah Van Huss, Dr. Douglas Petrovich, Larry Stamm, and Dr. Kenneth Hill. Registration is free, but seating is limited. Get all the details at swrc.com and click on Events. That's swrc.com. Or simply call 1-800-652-1144. The Fort Wayne, Indiana Prophecy Conference, next Friday and Saturday, April 22nd and 23rd. Now, here's staff evangelist James Collins and David Bay. For a moment... Of prophecy. Who killed Jesus Christ? Was it the Gentile Romans? Was it the Jews? You know, much anti-Semitism and persecution of the Jewish people came about because people believed that they killed Jesus. Some called the Jews Christ killers. But was there a secret society active at the time of Jesus Christ that was responsible for his death? Joining me to talk about secret societies is David Bay. David is the director of Cutting Edge Ministries and a longtime friend to this ministry. He's produced a revealing DVD titled Secret Societies Killed Jesus. David, welcome back to The Watchman on the Wall. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. How did secret societies get started and why were they secret? Nimrod, the mighty king of Babylon, started this secret societies after persecution against his movement started. All throughout history, they had been anti-government, plotting to overthrow all governments of the world, which is one of the reasons they're secret. Another reason they're secret is that they uniformly teach and preach that mankind is way overpopulated and needs a drastic reduction in numbers. The Georgia Guidestones was put up by Rosicrucians a number of years ago. One of its goals stated for everybody to see is that Earth cannot sustain more than 500 million people. That means we would have to have something like 7 billion people die. The third reason that the secret is that they are dictatorial, brutally dictatorial. If their existence became known and their goals before they controlled the levers of power, they would be destroyed by people who don't want to be mass murdered. Those are the three basic reasons that secret societies are secret. Tell me about Nimrod's wife and what was significant about the religion she founded. Semiramis picked up the reign of religious power after Nimrod was killed by Shem. 
and she successfully grew the numbers of worshippers with herself as the head. She became the pattern for the Roman Catholic Virgin Mary and for all virgin goddess religions since then. Now, how did the Babylonian secret societies influence the Jewish religious leaders at the time of Jesus Christ? Back in the time of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were part of the 70-year judgment that God caused to come upon Israel, and they were taken to Babylon, and there they were schooled in all the pagan aspects of the culture. At that time, there was a group of apostate Jewish priests. They were very taken by this Babylonian mysteries religion. And they began to immerse themselves and learn about it. Then what they did is that they took the first five books of the Jewish Bible and they reinterpreted every single scripture according to the guidance given by the Babylonian mysteries religion. And so what they did is they turned God's Orthodox Jewish religion into a perverted, twisted piece right out of hell. I mean, it's just amazing. Now, the Pharisees of Jesus' time belonged to a secret society called the Kabbalah. What exactly is the Kabbalah? Well, the Kabbalah is that reinterpretation I just talked about. It was passed down orally at the time of Jesus. In fact, it was passed down orally until 1100 A.D. when it was systematically written down. It is a worship of Satan, is what it is. Not a worship of Jehovah God, but a worship of Satan. They were very clever very successful in convincing the people that they were pious, orthodox Jewish priests when they were absolutely not. While the average people were fooled, Jesus was not, of course. Being omnipotent, omniscient, he knew what they were all about, and that's why he's so uniformly angry and condemning to the priests. While he was very, very lenient and full of grace for sinners, even vile sinners, even tax collectors and prostitutes, he was absolutely full of anger toward these priests. He would say things like, your father is of the devil, and called them vipers and told them they were going to hell. (laughs) David, is it true that Adolf Hitler learned about the Kabbalah and used it as a basis for the murder of six million Jews in the Holocaust? Every occultist, every advanced occultist, I should say, is taught of the Kabbalah. It's so full of anger that you can see why it would be a good tool. I mean, part of the Kabbalah says that a Jewish person does not sin when he defrauds a Gentile. Isn't it true that secret societies like the Illuminati have an ultimate goal to overthrow all governments and form a one-world government? Absolutely. Just like the Bible said that the kingdom of Antichrist will be a one-world government, a one-world economy, and a one-world false religion. And that's exactly what they've got planned. It's amazing. As I read their plan, I sat back and I said, these people are really stupid. Here they reject the one true God, reject his Bible, and then they create their own system that follows Bible prophecy to a T. In the DVD, Secret Societies Killed Jesus, you remind us that Satan and his ministers masquerade as angels of light. Don't you think that's how some religions such as Islam and Mormonism came about? That's exactly right. Both of those religions tell the story that their founder 
communicated with an angel of light to receive the basic tenets of their religion. So, yeah, it's absolutely correct. One thing I want to make clear is that you can draw an unbroken straight line from the Pharisees and Sadducees who conspired to kill Jesus to Antichrist. Mm -hmm. Because, you see, the Jews of Jesus' day... They knew that Jesus was showing all the signs and fulfilling all the requirements of the suffering servant Messiah. But they didn't want a suffering servant Messiah. They wanted a king. Mm -hmm. There are numerous prophecies in the Old Testament that Messiah is going to come as a king. Since they had lost the idea that the God of the Bible, the God of the Jews, is omnipotent, the only true God, they subscribed to the ancient national ideas that each nation had its own god. None of them were really more powerful than the other, but each nation had its own god. So they believed that the god of the Jews was Jehovah God, but he wasn't omnipotent. And so they decided that if they killed Jesus and got rid of the suffering servant Messiah, then they could, in their own power, stage a Messiah king. And... They're just about to the point where God is going to allow them to do it, and his name will be Antichrist. There's a direct line from the Pharisees and Sadducees who were taunting Jesus at the foot of the cross to the appearance of Antichrist. Well, I'm sure everyone listening will want to have a copy of the DVD, Secret Societies Kill Jesus. You can get yours now by calling 1-800-652-1144, or you can order online at swrc.com. So who killed Jesus? Well, even though secret societies were involved, let's not forget that Jesus died for your sins and for my sins. Without Christ's death on the cross for our sins... No one would have eternal life. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In that statement, Jesus declared the reason for his birth, death, and resurrection, to provide the way to heaven for sinful mankind who could never get there on their own. This is James Collins reminding you that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The DVD, Secret Societies by David Bay, is our featured resource today. Once you watch this DVD, your understanding of the gospel account will change forever. Order your copy of this eye-opening teaching when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's Secret Societies DVD by David Bay. Order when you call 1-800-652-1144. You can also order online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. If you're new to the program, be sure to request our free new listener pack. The new listener pack officially welcomes you to the family, gives you some history on the ministry, and it includes a free gift just for you. Request your new listener pack when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. What really happened at the trial of Jesus? What was the significance of the seven sayings from the cross? Did the crucifixion make Jesus a victim or a victor? And why is the resurrection completely unique to Christianity? 
Find out the answers to these questions with Dr. Rob Linstead tomorrow. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported for 89 years by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com and show your support for this Christian program. That's swrc.com. Thank you.